Good morning. Everybody hear me okay? Good morning. Hello. Good to see you all here this morning. What a chilly fall Halloween morning it is. I think it's perfect. It's going to be great trick-or-treating weather, right? We're excited about that. But I'm even more excited that you are here. Welcome. Uh, We are glad to be in the house of the Lord. We are excited to worship together, and we anticipate what the Lord is going to do among us. Amen? We we are going to believe that the Lord's going to meet us here, and he's going to do a new thing in our midst this morning. And so um, I just would like to open us up with a word of prayer as we fix our eyes on Jesus this morning. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we are gathered in this place for a purpose this morning. God, I, I pray, Lord, that as we sit in this, in this place this morning, I pray, God, that you would meet us here and that you would do a new thing in and among us. Lord, I pray that we would not just be here out of, out of duty or routine or obligation, but God, I pray that we would come expectantly into this place waiting for the new thing that you are going to do in and among us. Lord, we are here to hear from you And God, we are here to worship you. Lord, you are worthy of our praise. And so we want to lift your name high and praise your holy name this morning. God, I just pray that your sweet spirit would fill this place. And God, we long for more of you today. Would you meet us here, Lord? Fill us with your love. God, we love you. And we are here to worship you. And all God's people said in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Good morning. Please stand with us if you would like while we're going to sing. I'm going to read this call to worship from Psalm 147, verse 1. It says, Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. Amen.
power of Christ that is so present and available to us? I do. I believe that the power of Christ has the ability to meet us here in this room and speak to us and comfort us and empower us and embolden us to be free, truly free in Christ Jesus. And so my prayer for us this morning is that you would sense God's love for you and the freedom in Christ that is available to you. I pray that everyone would truly know that this morning. You may be seated if you'd like, but I'd like for us to continue in this time of prayer. Just give space for God to meet you where you are this morning. Lord, it is our desire, God, to be available to you, to open ourselves up to you, Lord, and to not rush past this moment. God, I just pray that you would continue to meet us here, Lord. Just continue to speak to our hearts. I believe, God, that you are speaking to each and every person here. You are are moving among each And every one of us, Lord, I just pray that we wouldn't miss it. God, I pray that our eyes and our hearts would be open to what it is that you are speaking to us this morning. God, I pray that our hearts and our eyes would be open to the ways in which you are moving among us, all around us, God. God, I pray that in this moment we would be able to get rid of distractions. Lord, I pray that we would be able to focus on you to hear from you this morning. God, I just invite you to speak to us. Speak, O Lord, for we are listening. Here I am. God, here we are. Would you speak to us? God, would you just continue to remind us of the love that you have for us? God, would you just continue to remind us of the freedom in Christ Jesus that is available to us? That, Lord, we no longer live 
under the, the reign of the power of the enemy or of this world, but we are free in Christ Jesus. God, remind us through your word this morning that you have already defeated sin and death and that we don't have to continue to fight that battle because, Lord, you have already won. The victory is already yours. And because of that, we can look at our life and we can look at the problems in our lives and we can see what's going on around us and we can declare that we will see a victory because you've already won. That is the hope and the truth and the power that we walk in. And God, I just pray that when the enemy comes and when he tries to bring us back to the old way of, of thinking and living, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. God, you are greater you are stronger. You've already overcome. And God, you want to help us do the same. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in shackles. We don't have to live in chains. Because you came to bring us freedom. And Lord, my prayer is that if, the, if there is anyone here that has not experienced that freedom in you, that fullness, that abundant freedom in you, God, I pray that you would, Lord, just deliver them and set them free. God, remind us of who you are and what that means for us. God, would you speak to us through your word this morning? God, I just pray that these words would be your words for your people. God, I pray that, that we would open up our heart. Maybe we need to open up our heart to correction this morning, God. We welcome that correction from you, Lord. Maybe there's things in our lives that we need to work out, that we need to give completely to you. Maybe some of us are holding back. God, I pray that through your word that you would show us what it is that we need to release and give completely to you. God, I pray that in and through your word this morning that you would remind us of the good news of the gospel that we walk in and live in each day. Lord, I just pray that you would continue to speak to us. God, we are here and we are open to you and to your word. We love you, Lord. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are continuing our series this morning in the book of James. We are in week seven of the book of James, just a few more weeks to go um, before we wrap up and, and we'll have completed um, pretty much the whole book of James and, and, and not left any word unaddressed or unacknowledged. Uh, this morning, we're going to be in James chapter four. If you'd like to open up your Bibles or if you want to pull it up on your phone, or of course, it'll be on the screen 
Um, but, but before we uh, look at our passage this morning, as I was thinking about this passage this week, I was, I was reminded of a song that I heard several years ago. Um, it's an older song at this point uh, by the, the singer and, and songwriter John Mayer. I wasn't a really big John Mayer fan. I just remember hearing this song one time, and it's always kind of stuck with me, this song. This song that, that he had written, and uh, this song was called Something's Missing. And, and I want to share with you some of the lyrics from this song that he sings. He says, I'm dizzy from the shopping mall. I searched for joy, but I bought it all. It doesn't help the hunger pain, a thirst I'd have to drown first to ever satiate. I can't be sure that this state of mind is not of my own design. I wish there was an over-the-counter test for loneliness, for loneliness like this. Something's missing, and I don't know how to fix it. Something's missing, and I don't know what it is. No, I don't know what it is at all. He goes on in the song later to kind of check off all the things that he has. He says, I've got friends, check. Money, check. Girlfriend, check. Guitar, check. Microphone, check. Messages waiting on me when I get home, check. And yet something is missing. I'm pretty sure that we all here, our mind immediately goes to what it is that John Mayer might be missing, right? We might even feel confident in making a quick judgment call and saying, oh, I know what he's missing. Oh, he's missing Jesus. He is missing Jesus in his life. That's what it is that he is missing. And to that, I would say both. Yes, probably, possibly. We don't know his heart or where he's at, but I would also say, hold on just a second, because I would be willing to bet that there are some here today, even Christians here today, who might identify with this feeling that something is missing. I don't think this is an impossible feeling for Christians to have, that there is something missing in our lives. I don't think it's impossible for Christians to feel this way. The, the thing is, is that we have to ask the question, why do I feel this way? What is causing me to feel this way? And what is it that even I, a Christian, might be missing? And that's kind of what James is going to address today in this passage. James is going to talk about this very thing. And I just want to remind us that James is talking to Christians or, or followers of Jesus. That is who James is talking to. And so I think it's not impossible for us to feel this way. But James is going to point out why we feel this way. He's reminding the, the Christians that he's speaking to of the struggles they face and what they ought to do about it. So if you are able to, I want to invite you to stand as we read James chapter 4. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 10 today. And this is the word of the Lord through James. He says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God or against God? 
Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, James spends the first half of this passage kind of describing the overall problem that exists. And he spends this, the first half of the passage essentially saying that there are, and this is probably something that you're well aware of, that there are desires and longings within us that are not being fulfilled. And this leads to chaos in many ways. Because of these desires and these longings that we as human beings have, we as people have, and because we don't know what it's going to take to fulfill that at some point, I mean, at some point we're trying to figure out what that is that's missing, right? And because of this, it causes chaos to unfold. It causes disruptions both within us and in our relationships. James points this out very clearly. He says, You don't have what you want, so you kill. And more than likely, James is speaking hyperbolically here, but it's not not so crazy to think that he could have been talking about the context and the society in which these Christians lived, that, that there were certainly some who didn't have what they wanted, and so they would kill to get it. And it's also not so crazy to believe that that's behind, you know, why we see the things we see sometimes with with people taking the lives of others, because oftentimes there's something there that's wanted, and that's the rational way of getting it, right? He says, "You, you don't have what you want, so maybe you kill. You covet what's not yours, and it causes problems. You want what you don't have, and you fixate on what you don't have, and that causes problems, You want the wrong things, and you're angry when you don't get those things. And then he talks about what we desire. What is it that you desire and that some of these things come as a result of our evil desires? And I want to point out something to us this morning, that this word desire, the Greek word for this word desire is the word hedon, hedon. And that word hedon is where we got the word hedonism. And if you're not familiar, hedonism is the belief that the pursuit of finding pleasure is the purpose of life. That the purpose of life is to just find whatever it is that will satisfy this longing. Whatever the world says that is, that's what you're going to go and look for. That's what you're going to try to obtain. And this sounds very familiar to us, right? Doesn't this sound exactly like the world that we live in? We see this a lot in the world. We see people trying to climb the ladder of success. We see people just just working tirelessly so that they can enjoy the luxuries of this world because that's what we're missing and that will make us happy. We pursue relationships. We, We pursue all of these things that the world points us to, even Christians, 
Even Christians, even we pursue some of these things. Even Christians fall into the temptation of believing that that we should do whatever makes us happy. Have you ever heard that? I hear that a lot in the world. Not a lot in my Christian circles, which I'm thankful for, but I hear this a lot in the world. Just do what makes you happy. Do what makes you happy. Whew. I think doing what makes us happy, if if this is all we ever, and I'm not talking about like which flavor of ice cream am I going to choose? Like which flavor of ice cream is going to make me happy today? Do I want the cotton candy or do I want the the coffee flavored? And and sometimes that's a, a problem that I'm trying to decide which one's going to make me happy. Sometimes it's both. And so you just choose both because why not? Just kidding. But that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about choosing a flavor of ice cream. We're talking about this is what drives the the major life decisions that we make sometimes. Do what makes you happy. And I would just argue, maybe not everybody shares this opinion, but I would argue that this is a toxic mindset. And this mindset is going to lead us down one destructive path after another if we just only ever do what makes us happy in life. And I think also it's worth mentioning that, that oftentimes it's this mindset that, that drives us to be a, um, a consumeristic church or, or for us to be a people where, where we just want to consume from church, right? It leads to this consumeristic church culture where it's all about me, 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 and what I want. I want to hear a sermon that's going to make me feel good, that's going to make me feel warm and fuzzy, I want to worship. I want worship music that's going to make me feel good. I want to listen to the kind of worship music that I like, the kind that's going to make me happy, the kind that I grew up listening to, the kind that I love, the kind that I connect with. I want programs for my children and teens that are going to suit and meet our needs. And if I don't get these things from a church, well, I'll just go find another church that suits my needs. Surely there's one out there, right? And so while we know it's complicated why people make decisions to leave churches, that's not necessarily what it's about, but it's about this this mindset that we fall into sometimes that it's about me, and it's about whatever makes me happy. And I think this is a dangerous mindset for the church community to have. And so James is talking about the problem here. And and it's this problem of of pursuing what life has to offer, right? And not feeling fulfilled. And he says that there is a war that is waging within because of our evil desires or because of our worldly desires that we are on this pursuit to find fulfillment in all the wrong places. And because of that, there is a war that is waging within. We aren't fulfilled. We aren't content. We're not satisfied. And because of this war that is waging, our life just seems to be chaos and it's never ending, right? There's chaos within me. I'm not settled. I don't feel settled in my heart. And then I see this in my relationships. My relationships are full of problems and it's all chaotic because of this war that is waging within me. And before you know it, I think we, even Christians, find ourselves in this cycle of of feeling happy, doing what makes me happy, but then, oh, that did not fill me. That did not satisfy me. That did not make me feel this contentment that I'm searching for, that I'm looking for. And I wonder if James is saying, essentially, I wonder if he's asking us, do you even seek the way of Jesus? I wonder if James is asking us, do you even submit 
to the ways of God. You long for things and you ask for them, but do your prayers even align with a Christ-centered mindset? Or do your prayers align with a world-centered mindset? I wonder if James is asking us this morning, or, or if this passage is asking us, do you want God's ways or the world's ways? Do we pray for what we want, or do we pray for what God says we need? Are we praying, asking God to show us blessings, or are we asking him to show us himself? Are we praying for nothing other than than wealth and status and contentment in the ways that we see fit? We seem to have these misguided beliefs sometimes. And I want to be careful how I say this because I don't want you to hear something that I'm not trying to say. But I think sometimes we have these misguided beliefs that all God wants for us. And hear my language here carefully. That all God wants for us is only wealth health, and happiness. I think that we have to be careful in thinking that that's all God ever wants for us. And I don't even believe that God is working against those things. I don't believe that God is actively working against these these feelings of of contentment and, and health and joy. I don't think God is working against those things, but I think sometimes we think that that's all God wants for us. And so our prayers often reflect this. And when we're not met with the answers that we're, that we're praying for, we're let down and it causes us to question. And then again, we find ourselves in this place of, oh, I'm just not satisfied. I'm not fulfilled. I'm not content. And I wonder if these prayers that we have sometimes, if they are a reflection of our heart and these desires that James is talking about that don't always line up with God's, right? What God wants for us is what Jesus says in Matthew 6.33. My mind immediately went to Matthew 6.33. And Jesus, at this point, had just finished talking about things like, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about the future. Don't worry about all the things that you don't have that you're looking for. But Jesus says, seek first. Above all else, seek first his kingdom, God's kingdom, and his righteousness, God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Everything that you could ever need and so much more will be given to you when you seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. And we are to pursue God's kingdom and God's righteousness. That's what we as Christians are after. That's what we're after. That's what's missing in our lives and in the world. We are missing the kingdom of God that is at hand. We are missing this righteousness, this fullness, this abundance that God offers. The world is just going to continue to deliver us toxic and destructive things. Things that are going to just leave us longing for more. Right? But God's way is one that is full and abundant, and he gives us so much more than we ever thought we wanted. The problem is, we might even say, okay, yeah, I get that. I, I, I agree with that. But the problem is, this way of living 
that, that Jesus talks about and, and even James talks about, I think. This way of living, this, this way of living that is others-oriented. You know, there's that me, 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 selfish mindset that we have to kind of put to the side. Because this way of living, one that is others-oriented, it clashes with the world's way of living, which is self-oriented. Me first, my comfort first, my happiness first, my joy first, right? And then the ways of Jesus is always others-oriented, and so these two things clash, which is why James says eventually, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God, and N.T. Wright says that, that probably what James means when he says friend of the world, it means wanting what the world wants, desiring what the world desires, longing for what the world longs for, hoping for what the, ho- what the world hopes for, and expecting what the world expects. Things like wealth, naturally, situational happiness, success, Instant gratification, anything that keeps me feeling happy and comfortable is what the world wants. And the hard truth for us today, we're kind of getting down to the, to the hard truth for us, because we know with James, it's nothing but the hard stuff, right? The hard truth for us today, I think, is that we, even Christians, we want both. We want both, but I think what James is saying is you can't have both. You can't have one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world and expect to feel content and fulfilled and satisfied. Because while you have one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in the world, you are going to continue to sense this war that is raging within. And you're going to continue to see chaos unfolding all around you because you're not committed to one or the other. You want both, but you can't have both. And the reason I think that we can't have both is because the way of Jesus, the way of God and his kingdom, it doesn't line up with the world. It doesn't line up, and so these two things are always gonna be competing with one another. For instance, the world says things like, find a way to make the most you can for yourself, right? Whereas the the way of God says, no, consider the poor and those those who are doing without and help them. The way of the world says, oh, they wronged you. Cast them aside. They are no good to you. Just get rid of them. Cast them aside. Whereas the way of God says, no, show mercy. Show love and grace. The way of the world says, oh, you're feeling down. Are you feeling sad? Well, something new will make you feel better. A new car will make you feel better. A new house will make you feel better. Just work harder for that promotion because that'll make you feel better because then you can buy the house and the cars, right? A new wardrobe's going to make you feel better. Oh, you've never had a boat before. Maybe that'll make you feel better. These things will make you feel better when you're feeling down and when you're feeling like you're doing without. But, but God says, no, be patient and stand firm in your suffering and let me fill you because I'm right here. My burden is light and I want to fill you. This wanting what the world wants, longing for what the world longs for, expecting what the world expects, this is only going to cause this war to continue to wage within. And then in verse 5, 
This is where James really, I think, tries to flesh out what this looks like in verse 5. And he's kind of making the transition between here's the problem and here's the solution. And then we're stuck with verse 5 to get us there. And verse 5, I'm just going to tell you, is messy. Verse 5 is really hard to translate. It's, I found this week that it's really hard for scholars to, to fully understand what James is trying to say in verse 5. And I'm going to break it down for you, what I gained from, from this week in just a moment. But again, I just want to point out, he seems to be talking to this imaginary antagonist again. Remember, we talked about that a few weeks ago, where this is a, an ancient way of writing that, that the audience would have understood, that there's like this imaginary antagonist, like some would say, or, or you might say. And in, and in verse 5, James is saying, or do you think, and we're not really sure who he's talking to. But, but verse 5 is some of the, the most difficult to translate in the New Testament. And by the way, didn't I just say that a few weeks ago about something else that James said? <laughs> I feel like I just said that a few weeks ago, that there's something else that James said that's really hard to translate. But, but verse 5 is one of those. It's messy. It's difficult. It's hard to understand exactly what he was trying to say. But after a lot of studying, I found that there are two kind of primary ways that this verse could be understood or translated. And there's the one we read earlier, which I'll read again to you. The one we read earlier, verse 5, or do you think that scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? Another way of translating that, you even might see this in your Bibles where there's like a notation that brings you to the bottom or on the phone you can click and it'll show you another translation that, that, is, that is commonly known and that is, or that the spirit he caused to dwell in us envies intensely or longs jealously. These are two kind of different understandings. These are two kind of different translations. And I was having trouble with this. I'm just going to tell you. I was feeling frustrated. And at one point I was like, maybe we just don't talk about verse 5. <laughs> but I thought, no, I, I probably shouldn't do that. And so I actually found something that Carla Sundberg had written that was really, really helpful. She wrote this blog post on these two ways of understanding this verse. And, and I'm just going to share that with you because I thought, well, Carla said it best, and, and I'm not going to try to compete with what Carla said, it, and, it, and it makes sense to me. And so she says, even though it's tricky and it's hard, and, and by the way, the reason that this is hard, that this is so hard to translate compared to other things, is because of the Greek language that is used and because of the way that the words are placed. Because of these two things, it makes this verse particularly challenging to translate and to understand what is it that James is saying. And so one of the translations or the understandings that we can take is essentially this. We have a sin nature. Surprise. We have this bent toward sin, right? Jesus talks about this where he says, out of our heart, comes evil desires. And Paul talks a lot about this sinful urge within us that causes tension, the infamous, I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I want to do, right? Paul kind of talks about this, this tension that we feel. And essentially the, the idea is that we have inherited this fallen sin nature that causes things around us like envy and strife and war and chaos and it gives us problems, and we see the problems because of this sin nature that we have within us that we see in the world around us. But, and this is the biggest but you've ever heard, but despite that sin nature we've inherited, James says in verse 6, but God gives us more grace. 
That's the best verse I've read all week. That may be the best verse I've read in a long time. Because, and you know what it reminded me of? Oh, it reminded me of Paul. See, Paul and James, no, they're on the same page. Because it reminded me of what Paul says. Where sin increased, grace increases more. And that is good news that, that yes, we have sin in our hearts. We, we have inherited this sinful nature. It's all around us. We see it all around, but so is God. God's grace is also around us. God's grace is also seen. So yes, there's this sin that we've inherited, the sin that was within, but, but grace. But God gives us more grace. The second way of understanding this, depending on which translation you're, you're feeling, is, is that we know that at Pentecost, God gave us an amazing gift, right? At Pentecost, God gave us the gift of his Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit lives within This Holy Spirit of God is within me. Scripture says it's the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that 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 Spirit is present within me. And, And yes, there is sin that is present. There might be sin in my heart. There is a sinful nature to this life, but but so, but the Spirit. The Spirit of God is also within me. And and this is another reminder. Of, of, of the mystery of the Trinity, right? The mysterious complexities of the Trinity, that the same Spirit of God, the Spirit of God lives within us, the Holy Spirit of God lives within us, and at the same time longs to be united with God because it is God. And so the Spirit of God that lives within me wants to be united and connected with God because it's the same Spirit. And so what this looks like in our lives is we start to look at our lives and we think, you know what? My life is a mess. And you know what? I don't make very good decisions. And you know what? I'm kind of a hot mess and I really need Jesus to help me in every area of my life, not just one or not just another, but in every area. And you know, I thought there were some things I could hold back for myself, but I'm realizing that Jesus wants all of me. And maybe it's a good idea for me to give him all of my heart, to give him all of myself. And as we continue to to think about what this looks like in our lives, we have this longing We have this longing for more of God, for more of Jesus, less of what the world wants to give me and more of what God wants to give me, less of the world's ways and more of God's ways. As I continue to flesh this out, I have this longing to be set apart, to be consecrated for God and God alone, for God's purposes alone and not my own. And there's this reckoning that happens in my heart where both in a moment and over time, I have this bent towards righteousness now. It's no longer a bit toward sin, but it's a bit toward righteousness. I long for the ways of King Jesus in every area of my life. And along with this comes full submission to God in all things. And friends, in case you didn't know, this is what we as Nazarenes call sanctification. This is what it means in our minds to be sanctified. It's this deep desire and longing to see more of Jesus in me today than I saw yesterday, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes so that it would be so. And so, so as, as Carla Sundberg lays out kind of a good way to understand the two different, there's lots of scholars that talk about these two translations and, and what we do with them, but I really like how she put it in my favorite part was when she said this. She says, you know, we have these two different translations and understandings, But do we have to pick just one? 
I love that's so freeing. That's so freeing. Do we have to pick just one? Is it really just one or the other? Or she says, could it be that with the ambiguity of, these ver- of this verse that we are left with the full message of the gospel in a handful of words? And I just love that. They, while yes, there is sin. Sin is present. Sin finds its way into our hearts. There is sin that is present in our life, but God. But God's grace is greater. But God's spirit is stronger. And that spirit that lives within us can set us free from the grips and power of sin and the ways of this world. And so while James has laid out this problem before us, this is the problem. Here's your problem. Here's the solution. Here's what this looks like. He says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and God will come near to you. Wash your hands, purify your hearts, grieve and mourn and wail, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. And that's just a a long way of saying, just humble yourselves before the Lord and he will see you and he will lift you up. I'm going to close with this, that as I was reading this passage this week, man, lots of things came to my mind. (laughs) It was just, it was all over the place. It was hard to narrow it down this week. You may sense that in the sermon. (laughs) You're like, yeah, clearly it's hard to nail it down because you're all over the place. But one of the things that I saw it was just kind of these images of, of, of marriage or these, 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 this language that you would see that brings to mind the image of a marriage, right? There's this language of, of adultery. He talks about adultery and he talks about, you know, kind of this war that's waging within and how that might transpire in your relationships around you. And so I, I, kept my, I kept thinking a lot this week about this image of marriage. And so naturally that drew my mind to the book of Hosea to the book of Hosea in the Old Testament. And in case you haven't read that book in a while, let me just give you a recap that the book of Hosea tells of, of Hosea's marriage to this woman named Gomer. And Gomer commits adultery. She commits adultery and she, she betrays her husband several times. She betrays him not once, not twice, but it seems many times. And despite her unfaithfulness, despite her many adulterous behaviors, God tells Jose to go to her. God says, go back to Gomer. Go find her. He doesn't just tell her to go pursue Gomer. He doesn't just tell Jose to go pursue Gomer, to go back to her, but he says, pay her debts. As painful as it will be and as hard as it will be, go back to her and pay off her debts. Buy her back. And the beautiful thing about this, this whole book, is that it's a a prophetic symbol of God's relationship with Israel. And essentially God's relationship with us, right? God rescued Israel God brought Israel out of trouble, and God made a covenant with Israel. God declared that he would remain faithful to Israel. He says, you are my people, and I'm going to be your God. You are mine, and I am yours. And all I'm asking for in return is your faithfulness. I'm going to ask you to uphold your end of this covenant, and I'm going to be faithful to you. And you know the story. It wasn't long before Israel goes off and they are unfaithful to God. 
Not once, not twice, but multiple times. It doesn't take long before other gods are more enticing. It doesn't take long before they find themselves essentially committing adultery, right? Betraying God for replacing him with these other gods. Israel betrayed their covenant with God. And God, at that point, could completely walk away, right? They failed. They did not withhold. They did not hold their end of the covenant. And so God can, can divorce Israel. He can walk away. But he doesn't do that, does he? God doesn't do that. Instead, what he does is he continually, he faithfully continues to pursue his people. Because of God's mercy, because of his faithfulness, and because of his compassion, he renews this covenant time and time again, even though they would be unfaithful to him and we would be unfaithful to him time and time again. It's because of God's mercy and faithfulness and compassion that he would remain faithful in giving them the promised messianic king. Because where sin increased, grace increased more. Friends, we have fallen short. We have fallen short. We have traded our relationship and fellowship with God for the things of this world. We were created for relationship and fellowship with God. And at one time, that filled every part of us. At one time, that left us feeling completely fulfilled. But then something else came up, and we began to long for something else. We, we began to, to lust after the wisdom of God, right? And we wanted, we chose something else, something that looked better. And so we continue to live in this tension of even though we were, we were created for relationship and fellowship with God, we often trade that for relationship and fellowship with the world, and until we take one foot out of the world, and until we put both feet in the kingdom, until, until we faithfully pursue God's goodness and God's righteousness, walking in the way of Jesus, not in a way that's me-oriented, but in a way that is others-oriented, we will always be missing something. I'm going to ask the praise team to come back up. And I read this week one more quote from a scholar that I'll share with you. She said, and this was humbling, she said, we don't accidentally adopt the ways of the world. We purposefully choose them. We don't accidentally adopt the ways of the world. We purposefully choose them. So this morning, the question for us is, what will we choose? What or who will we choose today? The question for us is, what or who are we drawing near to? What are we looking to fulfill this longing that we have? What is it in our life Right now, what is it in your life? Ask the Lord to show and reveal to you what is it that I am placing in front of you? What is it that I'm longing to fill this hole in my life? 
when, Lord, you want to be the one to fill it. We're going to sing this song that was perfectly chosen, this song, Come to the Altar. And there are a lot of good lines in this song that are just going to kind of sum up what we've talked about today, what James talks about in this passage. And I just want to encourage you to give God your whole heart, your whole self. Don't hold back because God has not held back. God continues to give us more and more of himself. And the only thing we're asked to do is to give him our whole heart holding nothing back. Would you pray with me? Lord, I find that this passage is all too relatable. That there have been so many times in my life where I have looked to other people, to other relationships, and to other things to fill this longing that I have in my heart. And God, it's easy to do that. It's easy to trade in that, that fellowship with you and that relationship with you with something that feels like it's going to be a little more instant, a little more satisfying. But God, the reality is, is that each and every time we're going to be let down. That while we are still looking for fulfillment in the things and the relationships and the people of this world, we're going to be let down because you are the only thing that will fill us completely. The things that we long for will be realized when we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, when we give you our whole hearts holding nothing back then we will experience that real, abundant, full life that you've promised us. And it doesn't mean things are always going to be easy. It doesn't mean that we won't ever experience heartache. It doesn't mean that, that we're never going to do without. But God, we have the promise that you will fill us that where there are those empty spots, you promise to give us more of yourself. So God, my prayer is that we would come to you this morning holding nothing back, giving you all of us so that we can experience the fullness of your love and your grace and your mercy in our own lives. So God, would you just speak to us this morning? Would you meet us here with grace and mercy and love once again? Thank you, God, for your faithfulness that you continue to pursue us. Amen. You can stand, you can sit, you can pray, you can sing. But I pray that your heart hears these words.
The good news of this message today is that once we 
submit ourselves and humble ourselves before God, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we've done or where we've come from. It doesn't matter what our past looked like or or all those things. It doesn't matter what they were that we tried to fill that hole with. What matters is the love of Christ that washes over us the moment we come to God, the moment that we come to Jesus, and he doesn't hold back, but he gives us himself completely. And so my prayer is that as you continue to think about these things, just continue to contemplate what it might be in your life that he is asking you to give over completely to him so that he can replace that with the goodness and fullness and abundance of God. And the good news is, and I just want to remind you of this, is that you are not alone. We've all been there. We are all here. We all have done this. We all do this. We're all tempted to do this often. And so just know that you don't walk this walk alone, that you are loved and you are seen by God and by us. So let me pray once more for us. Lord, we thank you for this good news that we have heard today, God, that that while the world is going to continue to offer us things that are not good for us, things that are, are destructive and toxic, God, you offer a way of fullness and abundance. And we thank you, God, that no matter what it is that we've done, no matter what it is that we've searched for in life, that that once we come to you, once we humble ourselves and submit ourselves and give ourselves completely to you, you meet us there, God, with all of you. You don't withhold. You don't hold back from us, Lord. And so we thank you for that, God. God, I just pray that as we leave this place and as we go out into the world this week, God, I pray that you would just continue to speak to us, guide us, Lord. Holy Spirit, continue to correct us and continue to speak to our hearts. And God, help us to be a people that show the world what it looks like to walk in the way of fullness and hope and redemption. Lord, help us to share that good news with the world around us this week, God. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Let me just share with you a few quick announcements before we leave here this morning. Um, Just a reminder um, that that throughout the month of October, we we shared with you a little over a month ago this this goal we have to pay off our remaining debt um, uh, for the the loan that the church has. We we are really close to paying that off, and we shared that with you. And so we're excited to come back to you next month and kind of share uh, where we're at and what that looks like. And, And more importantly, we're excited to celebrate together uh, that that big milestone that we're going to reach by the end of the year where we're able to pay off that loan and and then we're able to to kind of put ourselves before God and say, okay, God, what is it that you want us to do? How do you want us to be faithful to you? And so I just want to give you that quick reminder just in case you've had that in the back of your mind um, as we end the month of October today. Uh, Also, just to remind you um, that we are still collecting socks. We just probably will be doing that for a few more weeks for the Operation Christmas Child boxes. I've I've shared those details with you, so I won't go into all of that again, but you've got a few more weeks for that. Um, 
Believe it or not, along with the, the Christmas shoeboxes, the season of Advent is coming. It's upon us. It's around the corner. And so along with that is going to come an Advent series that we will do as a church. And then you're going to once again have the opportunity to purchase these books, these Advent uh, devotional books that will carry you through each week and each day of Advent. And so if you're interested in one of those, you can see Karen. And those are $6 each. Um, and and that will be good for us to kind of go through that as a church together. And then also, um, with the season of Advent approaching, is going to mean that on November 21st, we're going to gather here at the church to decorate the church for Advent. That's going to be at 5.30 p.m. if you're available, um, again, on Sunday, November 21st. And then I'm going to throw two more out there that you might not have been prepared for back there in the sound booth. But one, I was reminded, thank you, Ralph and Aaron, that Daylight Savings ends next week. That's what it is. It's ending, right? And so that's happening next week. So you're going to set your clocks back or, you know, just prepare that your phone is going to set itself back. Um, But that's going to change Sunday morning for us. And and all those who are excited about an extra hour of sleep, say amen. Woohoo! I'm excited. I'm team, I'm team fall back. <laughs> um, and then finally, I just want to share with you to, to be expecting again this year, we're going to be collecting $25 gift cards for Restore Network. Then they use these to bless their families um, each year at Christmas. And our goal this year is going to be 55 gift cards, 55 $25 gift cards that we're going to collect for the Restore Network throughout the month of November which is going to be starting tomorrow. So just have that in mind. Uh, Grab a gift card the next time you're at the store, and then we're going to bring those here, and I'm assuming collecting them out in in the foyer. But you can see, Trisha, if you have any questions, and um, we're excited to, to be a blessing once again to Restore Network. All right, brothers and sisters in Christ, would you stand as I share with you a benediction? I pray that you would go in the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who goes before you and walks with you. And I just pray that you would would let him fill you with, with him this week. Okay? You are loved. You are dismissed. Have a great day.